But yeah, my my throat has been feeling very throaty lately. I have my um my truth or dare chloroseptic here. Go for it. So I can spray it sixty seven times and then slam it down and say mother mother fuck. I yeah. want you to know that I say that all the time. I do too. It's the only reason why I say it. It's <laughs> it tastes like band aids. No comment from the peanut gallery. <laughs> okay, Wayne, let's get together. Let's let's get vulgar. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Madonna Get Together. I am your host, Wayne, and we are in Madonna's popular era, her vulgar era, if you will, and you won't break our souls because on this episode, we are going to recap some Madonna news that has been happening. Yes, you've seen it all before, all over the gram, the book that gives good face, I'm referring to Facebook, the ticks and all the talks. Madonna is back in the top 100, like the icon she is. And speaking of icon, I have a very special guest today who is not only one of the founding members of icon, the official Madonna fan club magazine, but who is so much a Madonna fan, the audition for the Blonde Ambition Tour in the wrong clothes. I'm guessing they weren't neat enough for her. Don't just stand there. Let's get to it. Please welcome Ron Radvinsky. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing great, Wayne. It's a pleasure to finally be chatting with you. We became friends <laughs> after the uh, last podcast that I did, so so glad that we developed our friendship. And where are you calling from? I am calling from uh, Santa Clarita, California. Nice. Wow. So one of the founding members of Icon, and I yeah. actually happen to be holding up the first issue right here, like a fanzine, before it got changed to Icon. Yep. And... You are one of the contributors. There's an article in there about you. It's right next to the headline that says Madonna drops Beatty for dancer 31 years younger. (laughs) It was so much fun uh, being a part of that process. Uh, The fan club means so much to me, and I'm glad that it still resonates with fans all over the world. You know, 30 years later, it's fantastic. Um, Well, can you tell us how you became a Madonna fan? What was like your first exposure to her? Uh, Thank you, MTV. I was, you know, MTV was brand new to us back in the early 80s. And uh, of course, I grew up watching, you know, um, Michael Jackson and Cyndi Lauper. And then uh, Madonna came onto the scene and I saw the Lucky Star video and I fell in love with this person who was wearing all black and, you know, with the white background. And I was mesmerized. Uh, it's still one of my favorite videos because I think it's the true essence of Madonna. You just see her and you see the originality, you know, when she puts on the black sunglasses and takes them off, when she dances, there's just, there's a come Heather look. She's just, it was, it just caught me. And of course the music itself was fantastic. So yeah, it didn't take long. And then when Borderline came out, I was, I was hook, line and sinker, like absolutely mega fan. Now, did you start collecting at that time too? Like buying the records? singles oh yeah yeah no i i i bought the 12 inch singles as i could find them um i didn't even know what a 12 inch single was i just <laughs> knew it was there was some cool cover art i didn't i didn't realize that there was uh, anything such as a you know a remix or an extended version uh yeah and then of course you know we didn't have the internet at that time so any clipping i could find whether it was a tv guide or some sort of magazine or people you name it i i, I clipped it and i kept it all 
Yeah. And then on Saturdays, I would head to Hollywood Boulevard and there was a store called Star World and they sold photographs, you know, eight by tens. And you could buy a, a, a eight by 10 black and white that was $2.50, or you could spend $5 on the full color version. And he had all of these photographs that we just didn't have access to. So went every Saturday and bought and bought and bought. So definitely created a collection that way. Now, how did you get involved in Icon or the official Madonna fan club? Uh, what happened was, is that uh, my now brother-in-law loved correct, uh, collecting um, music as well. And um, we used to go to a store called The Warehouse. There was a location located on uh, Sunset La Brea in Hollywood. And we would go and he'd say, do you want to come with me? And I'd say, sure, because I wanted to get out of the house. But he would spend hours, hours looking. I mean, it wasn't even that great of a record store, but he would spend hours looking. And after about an hour and a half, I'd get really bored. And I started walking around the complex. And within that complex was a little store called Via Hollywood. And uh, it was a store that was very similar to Over Our Heads uh, from Facts of Life. You'd walk in and see the greeting cards mm. and the checkered floor. And it was great. And uh, I-, I walked in there one time and... Um, the Like a Prayer album was playing. And uh, didn't think much of it. I walked through the store and, uh, you know, listening to the music, bopping along and came and went. Went back to the record store probably a week later because that's what we did. And uh, when I walked in, there was a man behind the counter and he said, oh, is there anything I can help you with? I said, I'm just looking around. I'm a huge Madonna fan. At that point, he said, my wife is one too. You should come back and meet her. Well, it's not like I I didn't know when she was going to be there, but we kept going to the record store and eventually she was there. And that's when I met Marsha Del Vecchio. The person I'd been speaking to was Rob Del Vecchio and they were the originators, the founders of the, uh, the Leica fan club, which, which became the official Madonna fan club. So I got to know Marsha really well. And uh, at that point, I, I wasn't driving, so I depended on others to take me places. And my best friend at the time drove, and he was also a Madonna fan. So I encouraged him against his wishes to come to this store to meet this amazing woman who had the same sort of um, love for Madonna that we had. And he was very resistant. I don't want to meet her. He was kind of grumpy at that time. And I said, it doesn't matter. We're going to go. And uh, we went, and he met her, and he loved her. And um, we became friends. And we decided at some point that we were really unhappy with the fact that Madonna didn't really have, didn't really have a fan club. So we started thinking about how much fun it would be to have our own fan club, you know, as one does. And, um, you know, about a year later it came to fruition and, uh, they started the, uh, like a fan club because they weren't official yet. And with that, uh, came the fanzine, the, the magazine you were literally just holding up a minute ago, which, in which I became a contributor. And uh, that's how it all got. That's how it all got got started. And um, from there, it just took off. And after two issues of like a fanzine, uh, the folks in Madonna's camp realized it was something really popular and well made, and they gave the official endorsement. And therefore, the name uh, switched from like a fan club to the official Madonna fan club. Mm. And then eventually, the magazine was rebranded Icon. Whose idea was that? That was Rob's idea. Rob Del Vecchio thought that she was deserving of a better name for the magazine. Plus, you know, we were we went from like a fan club to like a fanzine because of like a virgin, like a mm-hmm. prayer. He wanted something that really stood out, so he came up with Icon, and then we all agreed it was a great title. It was a great, you know, for it was it was great. Yeah. Now, have you had any close encounters with Madonna? Over the years, I have. Um, I. 
I was able to go to the music signing uh, that she had back in 2000 at the Virgin Megastore on Sunset and Crescent Heights and in um, basically West Hollywood. And what was interesting was that they were giving away 300 tickets just randomly. You just had to show up at the Virgin Megastore and get a ticket and or get a wristband and you were going to have a place in line. And I was working that day. And, but I heard about it on the radio. I'm not sure why it was promoted on the radio, but I randomly heard it. So I got very lucky. And I called the same friend who was very resistant to meeting Marsha at the <laughs> fan club and said, listen, you work in Hollywood. I don't. I can't get there. But they are giving away wristbands and for 300 people, and you get a chance to meet Madonna. And God bless. He, he said, I'm on it. And he drove all the way to the Virgin Mega store and got himself a wristband. The problem was he could only get one. Oh, no. And... You know, at that point, I started panicking. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And uh, he said, I got one for me. But the problem is that if I'm broaching other people, then they want the wristband as well. And I said, well, you've got to figure something out. And he did. And uh, he was able to convince someone that this mega fan needed a wristband. And when that happened, I was number 291 out of 300. Wow. Yeah. So I was at the very, very, very end of it. But he was able to secure a wristband for me. And then uh, I don't, I don't think it was that day. I think it was the day after. Or so um, we were at the Virgin Mega Store, and we, and it was the day that she was wearing, you know, the she was wearing a blue top, and she had the word "mommy." She had the necklace mm-hmm. that said "mommy." She had the blonde hair with a little the, like iron uh, black highlights hair. underneath. Yeah, iron straight hair. She was in great spirits that day. Carice was next to her, and uh, you know, I stood in line for what seemed like an eternity, and. Uh, you know, all the fans were great. Uh, there was one fan that actually sold his wristband. Uh, what happened was uh, there was a, a, a father and a son that were walking down the line. And remember, by the time they got to me, I was 291. So by the time they got to me, it was at the end. And the father said, is there anybody willing to risk, or willing, willing to sell their wristband? And I said, hell no, I'm not selling this wristband. And uh, the father said, I will offer anybody $1,000 for the wristband for my son. And there was a man that stood in front of me and he goes, $1,000, that's going to pay my rent. He said, I love you, Madonna, but I, I, <laughs> I, like, I have to sell it. I said, why are you buying this wristband for your son? And he said, because if I don't, my son told me that he would sell his body to meet Madonna this day. And I would rather pay $1,000 than to let that happen. So I have $1,000 cash to anybody that will sell the wristband to prevent my son from being a prostitute in order to meet Madonna. <laughs> Where is he now? True story, right? And uh, he sold the wristband. The guy got his rent. The kids stood in front of me. And uh, we went in. And uh, Carice was there. They took down, you know, they asked you what your name was. They, she wrote your name on a Post-it. And then they would take the Post-it and put it on whatever item that you wanted to sign. And they were very open about signing anything. You know, I wasn't just the album. It was anything you wanted. So people had the sex book signed. Um, you name it, she was open to it. And she was, like I said, she was in really good spirits. And, um, you know, I walked up and uh, it was, I was fun and flirtatious with Carice. And, you know, she said, what's your name? I said, Ron. She said, no problem. And I just, I was like, thank you, baby. And she was like, thank you, baby. <laughs> and we had this little interaction. And then um, Madonna took the the cd and, she, and carice said this is ron she went hi and i do not know if she recognized me that's the question i always get does she recognize you if she did she certainly didn't say anything but i think that's her way and i said uh 
you know, what advice could you give to, to me in general? And she just looked at me and she said, be generous, just be generous. In life, be generous. So that was the advice that Madonna gave to me, so just be generous. And I said, thank you very much. And she said, you're welcome. And I was off, you know, it was 30 seconds of, you know, fun, but she was, she was there for every minute of the day. And um, she signed every single person's item and it was, it was great. Now, were you part of Icon at that time? Were you still working with Icon? No, that was, no, that was 2000. I left the magazine, I think around the girly show. Uh, They were at a point where they were so much bigger and I was moving on with my own, my own life at that point. I'd already, um, uh, I'd worked on Dangerous Game as a production intern. So I'd already had, you know, that experience under my belt. And uh, they were at that point a real business. When I started with Icon, they were just a fan club that was trying to, you know, get their feet wet and figure out how to make money. And by the time that I left, they were full-fledged business. I mean, they worked out of their house. They, uh, you know, they worked from like nine to six or something. Then they would close the door and go to the rest of the home. But they were, they were business. They were absolutely making money off the memberships, off the merchandise that they sold. And they, it was, you know, they, they were, Rob always said they were a grassroots organization, which they were, but at that point they were the two of them alone, or I think they did have an assistant at the time, but they were, they were doing it on their own. They didn't need fan support, which is at that, which is what I was when they, when they first started. And they became just very much, um, they were on their own. In fact, I think that by, I believe that by 2000, Marsh had already passed away because I remember reaching out to them in 1999. Yeah, Marsh had already passed away. So I was not a part of that. I definitely, you know, I think that the club itself was was a different iteration at that point or was on the verge of being a different club. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I that's how I got involved. Now, did you have any chance encounters with her while working for Icon? Like, did you ever get to go to any parties or um, meet and greets or anything around there? No, those weren't offered. I mean, the only meet and greet that took place, and it wasn't even a meet and greet. It was there's um, that one photograph of Marsha and Rob at the Girly Show in New York um, at Madison Square Garden where. They met her and Madonna's wearing the erotica costume because she met with them before the, the show had begun. Um, but no, there was never uh, there was never any in-person meet and greets. They held a lot of contests. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the um, contests that's in the fanzine was you could submit questions to Madonna and she would, you know, come back with written responses. So if you go through some of the earlier magazines, it was one issue in which, you know, she said, you know, yeah, I'll answer your questions. I think it might have been like truth or dare. And um, my my best friend from high school actually submitted a question and his got answered. And uh, I think he said something like, what would you do if you found Jesse Helms, you know, strapped to your bedpost or something? And she was like, hope it was a nightmare or something like that. She gave some <laughs> sort of a cute response. But no, there were no no meet and greets that they offered, nothing like that. Well, I do see that you, I'm, I'm looking through this article that you have in the first fanzine. Sure. And it has... Um, we had a time card signed by her. Yes, yes, What's the yes. Story with that? Uh, I worked at so I worked at the the no longer now defunct Cineplex Odeon Beverly Center. I worked as a cashier. I made three dollars and thirty five cents an hour back in nineteen eighty eight, 
and uh, I sold your tickets. If you wanted to come to the movies, Little Ron on Friday nights and Saturday mornings was selling you the ticket. We charged $6.50 for admission. We were the most expensive theater in the city at that time. And the number of people that screamed at me about the admission price was insane. And all I kept saying was, you are more than welcome to go anyplace else. The uh, the AMC was like 325 or something or three, whatever. Yeah. But uh, Madonna was a frequent guest of the uh, visitor of the theater because we showed a lot of art house movies. We had 13 screens and she would come every once in a while. And of course, the day that she showed up, which was uh december 11th 1988 i'm very good with dates uh i happened to be on break when she arrived to see the the layer of the white worm and you know of course nobody knows the movie and uh, i was grabbing a slice of pizza at the food court and i came back and i had heard that uh, madonna was there and uh i was of course destroyed that i missed selling <laughs> her or her party the ticket but I anxiously waited for her to show up at the end of the movie. And um, and when she did, I was standing there waiting with the time card because I had nothing on me that I could that could be signed. I didn't come with the photo. So I needed something that would designate the date and the time. And I thought, well, I'll just punch in, wrote my name at the top of the time card, and I had it signed. Do you still have that time card? Not only is it not only do I have the time card, it's framed with the pen that she used to, uh, nice. to sign it with. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And I and I had it framed with a photograph of what she sort of what she looked like that day that she came in. So at that time she had the dark hair; it was parted down the center. Ooh, dark hair so, yeah. Madonna. Dark hair Madonna with a tie dye T shirt. And I've never seen the shirt ever since. <laughs> I only saw it the one time that she wore it. It was never ever in you know because sometimes she recycled yeah. her clothing at that time. Never ever saw that T shirt ever again. Wow. Well, congrats on that. And you also auditioned yeah. for the Blonde Ambition tour. Yes. I thought it, I thought that all of my dreams would be realized by leaving high school because I didn't like school. And I thought, let me audition to be a Blonde Ambition. Let me audition to be a dancer. And she'll pick me and I will be traveling around the world and I don't have to deal with homework anymore because I hated homework. So um found out that she was auditioning not too far from Via Hollywood, which was on Sunset and La Brea and... The Landmark Studios was located on Sunset and Gordon. We're talking minutes away. Uh, Madonna was driving to the audition. She was driving behind us. We noticed her and we freaked out. She then drove next to us and I freaked out and I jokingly said, I'll see you there in a minute because we knew where she was going. And we parked. I was given a number. I was number 74. And it didn't take me long to realize I was dressed very inappropriately. I'm not a dancer. I've never been to an audition. And everybody was wearing their dancer tight spandex clothing to show off the muscles that they had. I didn't have any muscles. I was 133 <laughs> pounds. So, And it was cold. It was January 10th when I auditioned, 1990. So I came in wearing a cream-colored long-sleeve turtleneck and some beige khaki pants and some black shoes. And let's just say that I did not look the part, but that didn't stop me from trying out. Uh, she was there. Um, thankfully, I knew what the routine was because we found out from the day before when my best friend went. Marsha helped me figure out what to do because I'd ne never done the Running Man or the Roger Rabbit. And we did the audition with them and uh, with the choreographer who was Carol Armitage at the time. Vincent Patterson wasn't on board mm. yet. That's He replaced her. And, uh, you know, I... I auditioned. I can't say that I was amazing, although I believed in my heart that I was. 
And the biggest joke, of course, was at the end of the audition, it ended with that giant kick that she did during the express yourself routine on the interview where her leg goes all the way up. Mm -hmm. Well, my leg didn't quite go all the (laughs) way up, but I, in my mind it did, but she was there and she was uh, watching everybody and she was wearing a little black hat and um, I think she was wearing like a jean jacket and uh, she was in good spirits as well. And she was excited to be there. And while we were um, dancing, she kept screaming, sexy, sexy. She wanted to see sexy, sexy shoulders. So kind of like, again, with the express yourself Mm -hmm. routine, she wanted to see the shoulders move. Again, I had no flexibility. I was not a dancer. You were lucky that I was even moving. So, but uh, she was great. And I went up to her afterward, thanked her for the opportunity, gave her a couple of tickets to the movie theater with the hope that she would return. Of course, I logged those tickets knowing which ones would were hers in the event that she ever showed. She never used those tickets because they were never redeemed. But I walked away knowing that I had the best story ever. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything even close to that. <laughs> well, how did you well, get the audition? Well, like, Liz Rosenberg. Did, did, well, I, I did. That's the closest I've ever gotten to Well closest uh in speaking to madonna <laughs> was with Liz rosenberg but um how did you even get into the audition i i imagine maybe it was a little bit more open back then was it like a cattle call audition or or was it like yeah yeah it was there was an open call and there was um an ad that said you know madonna world tour 1990 choreographer carol armitage and then the whole ad was you know wimps and wannabes need not apply we're looking for this 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 and this I, of course, felt I had all of those qualities, <laughs> even though I had none. And uh, so I went for well, it. Hey, if Madonna has taught us anything, it's to believe in ourselves. Absolutely. And again, my friend who, you know, who was begrudgingly driving me around, he auditioned as well. So he was number 75 and he could move just as little as I could. <laughs> but again, we can both say that we did it. And when we saw the... You know, when we saw the show itself, you know, we kept thinking that should have been us. <laughs> and then when we went to the Truth of Dare premiere and we were dancing, you know, among those people, we we're like, you missed out. Like, we were amazing. Yeah, so. totally, totally. Your life could have had a, a totally different journey from that point on. I would have been in strike a pose. I would have been in strike a pose. <laughs> now, something else happened at that audition, too, I believe. Or maybe this happened at a different time where you saw where she was parked. Oh, no, no. This was oh, different. Yeah. So I I learned that um, Madonna was rehearsing for uh, another performance. And it wound up being the um, the 1990 Vogue performance where she was in the Marie Antoinette mm, garb. Okay. So I found out that she was rehearsing there. I don't know how I found out, but somehow this information made its way to me. It was at the same location that we auditioned at. Again, I was at Marsha's store. I hung out there all the time. It was my playground. And... Um, Somehow we got wind that she was down the street rehearsing. So, of course, I went there. And, uh, again, no cell phones at that time, no cameras, no nothing. But I get to Landmark Studios, and I knew what Madonna's car was. And uh, I looked, and I said, Madonna's car is parked right next to the studio. It was right next to the front door. So, of course, I I looked into the car because, well, who wouldn't? And within the vehicle uh, near the gear shift, I could see that there was a demo cassette and on it, it said, Madonna, just a dream. And all I wanted to do was figure out a way to get my hands on this demo cassette for a song that I knew I had not heard. And of course, you know, I couldn't do that. But I was, you know, kind of just next to the car and trying to see what I could see. The car had some um, crucifixes dangling from the from the rearview mirror, and that was cool. Uh, it was a small little 560 SL. It was black. I believe it was given to her by Sean Penn. 
but I hung out. And at uh, one point, the dancers came out because they had a break and they were in their costumes. So I could see Oliver in his green costume. Ooh. And I had no idea what it was, but I could see that they were wearing this, you know, this um, period clothing. And I just knew whatever it was, it was going to be amazing. Madonna did not come out at that time, but I was very patient and I had nowhere else to go. So I just waited across the street. I was the only person there. No one knew that Madonna was there. And eventually Madonna did come out with the dancers once they were done with rehearsal and regular clothing. She had blonde hair and they got into the car and they drove off and no one knew I was there. I mean, they, I mean, I did walk up to the dancers at one point to say hello as if they cared. Um, <laughs> and say, that should have been me. I, I should was, be with you guys right now. I would, I would be Can you. I get a this fitting, would be, please? You know, that, that would be. <laughs> and uh you know I, I spoke to oliver and uh i think he was a little like who is this little man that's you know, this little boy that's, that's that's here but no one knew no one knew that she was rehearsing there and somehow i did and i was just across the street waiting and you know i don't want to say i was stalkerish because i was just excited that you know my favorite artist was there and i wanted to see if i could see her and i knew that she was inside and at some point i figured she'd have to come out and i'd say that she came out around maybe five o'clock in the evening or so. So I don't know when the rehearsals went, uh, you know, from, but uh, she was there and she had the blonde hair and they, all, they, a few of them got into the car because the car only sat like four people. It was a tiny little Mercedes and they, and she drove off. And at that point I was fulfilled. Wow. And you were there on a stakeout. You just sat there on a stakeout. Totally. For like I just sat there. <laughs> yes. But it's funny that you mentioned Just a Dream because I actually have something that was given to me about a month and a half ago. So a friend of mine uh, heard the MLVC podcast that I was on where I conveyed uh, the story as well. And he said, I have something that I want to, I think you might want. And I said, sure, what could you possibly have? So I showed this to you previously, but I'm going to show you a little bit more. So he handed me a disc. And on this disc, it's a huge floppy. And it says, Madonna, just a dream. Looks like it was recorded September 23rd, 1989. And it's the master mix and setup. So there is no vocal on this on this, on this this uh, floppy. Because if there was, you and I would have found a way to play this. Because you already confirmed there was no way that there was a right. vocal on here. But with this disc also came with all of the engineering notes that I'll show you right here. And there are pages and pages of just setups. I know nothing of what they mean. But... It does say here, you know, Madonna, Pat Leonard, it has the engineer, the assistant. Uh, it's got, you know, pages of just handwritten numbers. They mean absolutely nothing. Handwritten. Yeah. They're all handwritten. You know, B3, B4. And it even has descriptions of where all the knobs should be within the soundboard. Oh, wow. So the engineering board. So I have this for quite a few songs that my friend gave to me. Um, some include Keep It Together. Some include the um, most from the uh, I'm Breathless album. And he said, I, these have been sitting in my garage for 10 years. Would you would you like them? And I said, uh, I think yeah. I, I need these in my life. <laughs> so I have all of this material now that was given to me. It, I can't do anything with it, but it is a piece of Madonna history. And of course, we, we appreciate that. That's incredible. And what is it with Madonna and dreams? Hey, it was just a dream, just like a dream to me. Woke up from a fuzzy yep. dream. Fuzzy dream. dreams of Courtney Love <laughs> and Sharon Stone. Dreams of teeth falling out. Dreams come true, written on the balloons at the Virgin the balloon. Tour. Well, well, well this, this was, was a just dream a dream for you. And 
Yes, it was. And then, of course, you know, we got lucky where uh, Donna Delory recorded the song with Madonna as a backup yeah. singer. So we at least heard what the what the song was meant to sound like. But there is an unreleased demo with Madonna's vocal. And you did not take the tape to confirm. I, if I did not break into the vehicle to take the cassette, okay. the vehicle was closed. I did not break the law to steal well, it. Well, this interview is over. If you, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, ask me if I wanted to break into the car. The answer is years from now. Yes. You know, like your whoever gets um, whoever your beneficiary is will find this just a dream cassette tape at the bottom of like a hidden drawer or something. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, if you think about it, what's interesting to me is the fact that. It was just sitting there. It was, I mean, anybody could walk by and I mean, obviously we had to know it was Madonna's car, but you know how they always tell you not to keep things in public mm-hmm. areas because people might still, this was a, this was a cassette on a, it was a Warner cassette and it was demo and it said Madonna, just a dream. It was a Warner cassette. It, it was very clear to me what this was. So I knew about the song years before anybody else. And of course I conveyed Amazing. the information to Marsha and we were very excited and we all kept saying, like, did you, how did you, couldn't you break into the car? I'm like, I'm not breaking into her vehicle to steal but, this cassette. I'm not going to jail for this. But did you check the handle? No, because I was worried that there was an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> I was smart enough to realize this was, this was not a good idea for me to be there and to be looking at something that I really gotcha. wanted badly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for sharing your journey so, and your icon journey and your multiple, multiple uh, interactions and run-ins with the queen herself. Um, yes. Well, I wanted to also have a conversation with you to talk about like all the new things that have been popping up for Madonna. She's back in the top 100, five decades. She has been in the top 100, the eighties, the nineties, the, the two thousands, the tens, and now the twenties with both popular a duet with The Weeknd, and Vulgar, a duet with Sam Smith. I wanted to ask you your opinions and your thoughts on what you think of Popular. I really like Popular, actually. I was listening to the song before we connected today. I just wanted to have it in my head. I love the fact that it's it's like an easy song. I love that she sings. She sounds great on it. It feels like it's been a bit since we've heard her really vocalize, and this was a moment to actually hear her voice. Uh, it just, it sounds wonderful. I love the song. I really do. Effortless is the word I keep Effortless using. Effortless is perfect. Because it's like, it's it's very laid back. It's very, it's very you know, bedtime stories-ish. Kind of that, you know, when you hear her sing Secret or um, Human Nature or, or like Survival, it just, you can just kind of like lounge back and in, into your seat. And it feels very comfortable and very... Um, effortless for her to just get into the groove so to speak yes and i love the fact that there's no vocal effect on her voice it's pure yeah. madonna right there's no auto-tune it's just madonna singing there's no in the grills way that we love that pureness no there's no grills you, she's clear but it sounds like she's also it sounds like she's also having a good time right she's relaxed and she's enjoying the process and i think that her voice melds beautifully with the weekend and uh, they sound great together it's it's a, it's a good song i mean i I love the fact that it debuted at number 43. I wish it was a little bit higher yeah. because um, I think it, it it should be higher. But at the same time, I'm, I am aware that she doesn't get the airplay that she should. But I, I do like the song a lot. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's for the song, I don't think the, the song um, 
necessarily fits what's in style right now for musical styles that are Agreed. out there. This is really going back to kind of like R&B pop. Um, and it they recorded it for the soundtrack of Idol, which is a show on HBO or HBO Max or Max or whatever, whatever it's being called these days. Um, and Like a Prayer was also used in the premiere episode. Uh, and I have... I have some thoughts on that. So, and I had an Please argument. Share. With some, not, not really an argument, but a discussion with someone about like, I don't know if it's believable that Like a Prayer is being played in 2023 in a straight club in LA and that people are jamming that hard to it. And that's not a dig on Madonna or the song or that it's not iconic and that it's not one of her iconic songs. It's great because now, I don't know, maybe from this show playing it, maybe now it will be played in straight clubs in LA in 2023 for straight people and they'll jam to it just as hard. I don't know. I just didn't find that very believable um, just because I've been to clubs and, you know, unless it's Beyonce or, you know, Dua Lipa, I am not seeing people gyrate on the dance floor to old classics. You're right. However, I will say this. I don't go to a lot of clubs, um, but I've gone to a lot of premieres mm-hmm. and a lot of parties. And I will say that when the song does come on during those events, the dance floor is packed. So I think in a sense, it may have been a way to pay homage to to that ability that Madonna has to get people on the dance floor. But again, because I don't go to a lot of clubs, I and I believe you. I know that they don't play like. I mean, why would you play like a prayer from 1989? And not club even like newly twenty three. Yeah. No, no, no. But um, it it could also have been a precursor to the fact that they're going to showcase popular, you know, further yeah. into the series, maybe. But uh, yeah, no. I, like I said, for all the, the the premieres that I go to, I you put on like a prayer or into the groove or even Vogue. You get people dancing. I mean, people are very euphoric. Okay. Well, I'll just reduce it to the fact that I live in a small city and people here are just lame. <laughs> I'm not discounting what you said. I I think you're right. I I I'm sure if you go, no one is listening to like a prayer. You know, like I just I, I don't mean, see I see happening. it equivalent as like if it came on at a wedding. I yeah, I would see people get up on the dance floor, so to speak. Yeah, in the right context. Right. In the right. But at a yeah. like a hip happening club in 2023. No. I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure it's, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that as a, as like shade or a slight to Madonna, but I just don't, um, I think us as fans like to think that she is more, um, popular than popular, she is yeah. today for people know who she is, but I have had, I interact with a lot of younger people and they're like, yeah, I know who Madonna is. I was like, okay, do you know this song? They're like, no, I'd have to hear it, and maybe I would. Or they may know a song, but doesn't know that Madonna sings it. So I think we are, unfortunately, we are in this generational gap where, you know, some people might know a few songs, or some people might know a song or two, but we as fans know the whole entire lexicon of Madonna. We know the whole Rolodex of songs of anything that could be played at any moment. And if it came on on the dance floor, we'd beat the first ones up on the dance floor. But again, I don't know the use of it. I'm glad they used it. Absolutely. I'm glad she's getting exposure 
and she's back in the spotlight and she's back on the top 100. She deserves it. Um, I want this tour to go out with a bang. I want to sell those extra concert tickets I have. So <laughs> all the extra exposure to Madonna, absolutely. I'm 100% for it. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the, the the club and it reminds me of a story of a colleague that I have. And he mentioned this to me about um, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. He was at a he was at a gay club, mm-hmm. actually. And Vogue came on and my colleague is in his 20s, huge Taylor Swift fan. And um, he was at a gay club and Vogue came on and his friend said, I love the song. Who sings it? <laughs> And he he lost his mind. He's like, "How do you how do you not know that this is Madonna?" And he was like, "I I, I can't even like Ron's going to be so upset with me when I tell him this story." <laughs> how do you not know that she sang Vogue? Come on! If if you know any song that she sings, it should be Vogue. <laughs> but yeah, I digress. Uh, I know <laughs> these young kids. Well, my partner my partner is eleven years younger than me, and I remember when um he quote unquote first heard deeper and deeper. He's like, Oh, I've never heard the song before. And in my mind, I'm like, how have you never heard the song before? I mean, I I always think like top 10 hits are songs that everyone should know from every year of every every decade, especially if you're not far from that decade. But um, yeah, but some people just don't know. Yeah. He didn't know. And, and, and you know our our culture, our social culture is moves at such a uh, a faster pace now. It's like songs are in and out within days now. Yeah, I pay very close attention. You know, when, especially when Madonna has a song that comes out, I pay close attention to the iTunes chart because that's the only uh, way of sort of monitoring. And you know, it'll go from right. oh, it's like number eight, and suddenly it's number like fifty. I'm like, wait, how did that happen so fast? <laughs> like, it's just it's so fleeting. Yeah. Uh, well, she also released another song with Sam Smith called Vulgar. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that one? I love it. It's a great song. I mean, when I'm in the car, I just blast it. And I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that if you see me driving around Los Angeles, I am dancing my ass off. I do not care who sees me. I am just into my own zone. And uh, it holds. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it will be great in the club. And, uh, it's fun and chaotic and it's provocative and um no i i I love it i mean for all of the effects that popular doesn't have they all work here it's great it's great yeah i think it's i mean it's a very different song than than popular for sure um but i think it fits kind of the musical trend that's happening now and um it's it's sort of like rhythm rhythmically speaking but not necessarily rapping but it's very RuPaul's Drag Race to me, uh, and uh, I don't necessarily say that in a good way. I like the song, and I like her contribution to it. I think it's it would be sound great in a club. I would dance to it. I will sing along to it. Um, between the two, I'm going to go with Popular. It's a, it's a touch, I don't want to say controversial, but I think that Popular, I'd rather sing a song. However, at right. the same time, I want to dance to a song, and I, I can dance to, yeah. to Vulgar. But again, I prefer Madonna singing. I like the, I fell in love with her voice. I want to hear Madonna actually be melodic and vulgar is not melodic, but it's, I mean, that's not true. It's just, it has its own different kind of strange melody and um, it's got 
you know, a chaos to it, which I think works well for the song. But yes. I'm with you. I'd rather I'd rather sing, be able, be able to hum and sing, and and you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm like, say our names, say our fucking names. I will I will scream yes. that out my lungs. B you know, I T C H. <laughs> I love it. Well, she also was on Christine and the Queens latest album, Paranoia, Angels, and True Love. Uh, she was on three different. She's featured on three different tracks, but she does not sing on any of them. Not from what I could tell. Angels crying in my bed. I met an angel. A lot of angels. Uh, lick the light out. I guess instead of licking the alphabet, I guess. But um, did you listen to those thoughts on them? I did. Now, I have to admit, because I am an old man, I did not know who Christine and the Queens were. Uh, so I did a little bit of homework and started listening. Um you know, I love when Madonna does the spoken word. I wish that there wasn't the effect on her voice because I loved the sound of it. But I thought that for what the song needed, it worked really well. Uh, again, I'm, this is an artist I'm very unfamiliar with, so much so that I didn't even know that she was one of the unapologetic bitches in, in Paris. Did you know that? I did not. But I believe uh, Christine goes by he now. Christine goes by he now, correct. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually watched the video, and Madonna was very um, admired him and said, I, "I'm a huge fan of yours." But I was not familiar with this artist at all, and um, I loved it. And I, you know, of course, did a little bit more homework in terms of realizing this was part of like a theater experience and paying homage to Angels in America. Um, I love that Mike Dean wrote and, you know, some of it and produced it and suggested that she participate because we all know his contributions to her world now. Um, but it sounded like you could hear Madonna's voice, you know, as she was speaking. I, I loved hearing that, that youthfulness. Um, so I listened to them and I will say I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of, Madonna, when she's featured on others' songs, where all she is doing is speaking. So, sure. um, but I would say this is a, a step up from the Ariana Grande. Oh yeah, as a woman, God is a woman. I hated the way I hated the way that Madonna sounded in that, um, and I know that she was trying to emulate Samuel L. Jackson, and to me, it just didn't work. So, I agree. In a way, I'm like I'm jaded by that. Uh, but to me, it reminded me very much of like Il Postino when she did yeah. that, when she did mm -hmm. kind of like the poetry reading. So her voice, her voice is very smooth and, and very soothing in these songs. But these songs, I've heard Christine and the Queens before, and there's other songs, I think, from from older records that I prefer over these songs. But I mean, I, I get what was being done. It's just they're not going on my playlist. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I only listened to them again today because I wanted to remind myself what they sounded like because i heard them once i was like okay okay we'll we'll put that in the back of the catalog like and here's the thing too so i don't like things just because madonna's on them like they have to be good and popular is a good song vulgar mm -hmm. is a good song and these songs and it, you know if madonna wasn't on either of those songs i would still like those songs because they're well written and well produced if I listen to these songs, these are not songs that I would ever listen to before ever. or ever. after. <laughs> and just because Madonna's speaking on them does not make me like them anymore. And I don't think that should be a 
condition of me liking a song just because Madonna's on it. I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, I will probably never listen to them again, but that's just because it's not my taste. <laughs> well, it's not my taste in music, but I appreciate that she's always taking chances and doing something that's out of the box and she's trying new things. Yeah, of course. So, and the fact that it was a, you know, a, a you know, sort of theatrical for her and it spoke to her, but no, I'm probably not listening to this music ever again. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad that she's still creating music, music but it, no, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. It is not going on a playlist. Yeah, I mean, to her credit, I do like that she's trying new things or at least expanding her um, her genre of music that she's participating in. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm still looking forward to Madonna's next solo record, which we have not heard since Confessions on a Dance Floor. <laughs> um, right. Because every other album that has come out since has always had a featured artist on it in some form or fashion, which, you know, I don't think she necessarily needs I, I don't know if she need i wish she didn't feel like she needs to have someone current on her record in order to try to sell more copies i think you know girl just go do your thing i well, i appreciate it more because it feels like it's trying too hard when she's trying to pull in like maluma Nicki minaj kanye west beyonce sam smith weekend like and it's not that i that i don't like any of those collaborations it just feels like well, what do you got that you haven't had to like make a schedule to work with this person? You know what I mean? Like give me Madonna when she wakes up in the morning and what she's thinking about and not someone else laying down a track. That said, I'm very excited about the Max Martin track because yeah, I think that he, but he doesn't really- sing on it. That's he doesn't sing, but like, he's such a great producer and he's known mm-hmm. for songs with amazing hooks. And I think that's what's missing from the music that she's creating these days are the hooks. You want right. music that you can really just sing to and dance to and remember. And, you know, I mean, what's the course of popular? It's the rapper, you know? Right. Um, so I want, th- that's my expectation of the Max Martin's music is that this is going to be a song that, you know, I, when you listen to a Max Martin song, you, you hum it, you sing it, you know it, you know, it's a great tune. Very melodic and very melodic. So I'm praying, praying to God that that's what we get from that collaboration, because that is what I think ultimately she needs. And, you know, I have this conversation with my best friend all the time about, you know, what would we want from Madonna album? Aside from me wanting to have her go back and work with Patrick Leonard and Stevie Ray, they created music that was timeless. And again, it resonated with audiences that for so many different generations, but ultimately it was music that you can really just sing to. Right. Yeah. And people yeah. sample it or want to sample it. Didn't um, Danny Minogue just celebrate 25 years of uh, Don't her Into the Groove remix yeah. of whatever the song is? I, I think it's Don't Want to Lose let This me- Groove. Don't want to lose this groove. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. In fact, it's so funny. I was listening to um I'm gonna make you laugh. I was listening to the Jets last night. And um I know who the Jets are. They were my first I, concert. I love the Jets, but one of my favorite songs is Cross My Broken Heart, and that was um produced by Stephen Bray. And you listen to those songs and like there was such a sound to it and there was a likability to the songs, and those songs were also in essence effortless, although they were so beautifully produced. But they hold up because they've got a lot, 
you know, they've got a structure, you know, get the verse, the chorus, the verse, the chorus, the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I miss some of that in Madonna's music. And I know that the music itself has changed, but I do miss just the idea of being able to sing a song the way that it, you know, most people do. Right. It's the nostalgia. It's the nostalgia of, of having that feeling of what we were going back to with popular is like this, it felt very effortless. And, and that's one of my things. I, I heard it on a podcast and I think I mentioned it before on a previous episode, but like music should feel transcendent. It shouldn't Absolutely. feel like it's work. And so when I put on a track, regardless if I like the artist or not, I should know that the song is going to be good, not tied to somebody's name. And I think that's the problem these days is that everyone just, I mean, and it probably happened in, you know, Madonna's day too, is, you know, a new song comes out by Taylor Swift and everyone's all over it, or a new song comes out from Rihanna or Dua Lipa and everyone's all over it. But that doesn't take away from some of these songs that are just, these are really good songs. They're really, mm-hmm. really well written and have a good melody. And sometimes, you know, I have to, I take myself out of it is like, okay, I don't care about the artist that's singing it. I want to hear just like a really good song. And there's a lot of artists that, that create and write really good songs, but never get the notoriety, never get the charts. And, you know, I listen to, you know, a whole spectrum of music. So there's tons of songs that I love and that, and I'm like, this should be a hit. And I guarantee if a popular artist was singing it, it would be a hit. And I feel like in some ways it also works the reverse way too. So I feel like because Madonna's on a track that that is turning some people off from even wanting to listen to it. So I feel that a little bit with like Vulgar, for instance. Sam Smith just had this this huge hit with Unholy with um Kim Petras. Yep. And it was popular, used all over TikTok, and it and I feel like in some ways they were also trying to recreate that vibe. Uh, but I, I prefer vulgar over unholy. Unholy just annoys me so much. I don't know why, but um, it's not a favorite of mine. But I feel like if Madonna was on unholy, that song would not be popular. And if Kim Petrus was on vulgar, vulgar would be popular. I agree. I mean, there's an ageism that's taking place right now. And right. for some reason, there's a little backlash in terms of listening to Madonna on the radio. I mean, she just doesn't get played. She doesn't get played, which is why right. I think I have so much hope for the Max Martin, because if it is at least a hooky, pop-friendly song, mm-hmm. there's a better chance that more of the adult contemporary, you know, that played the 80s, 90s artists would be willing to... And to and today's hits would be willing to actually broadcast it. But, you know, the popular stations, they won't. I mean, she's going to be 65 this year. And regardless of how she looks or sounds, they judge her by the fact that she's 65. Right. So that's annoying to me. It's very annoying. It's very annoying. So it's sad. But that said, I'm glad that we're getting new music. And I'm curious to see if there's more that's coming out. I mean, here we are on a Friday where's the where's where's new we've gotten used to new songs on fridays like where's the new song no <laughs> or at least like a uh an older i was expecting ray of light to be churning out all the remix singles when it celebrated its 25th and we only got um uh what, what are the ones we got we got nothing really matters and mm-hmm. ray of light and then they were done <laughs> well like, i'm still waiting I'm still waiting for the reissue of the original albums that they talked about, you know, when she signed that new deal with I Warner know. Brothers. 
That I think this. I think this tour is going to be the kickoff for that. I certainly hope so. I mean, that was all I kept thinking was there. There must be so much unreleased material in the vaults. I don't think so. So much so for the first couple of albums because she was so tight with just. Mm-hmm. She was methodical about what she needed. I mean, remember, Holiday was a last minute addition because they needed one more song. So there isn't right. this this vault of you know for the first few albums, but at the same time, you know we know that warning signs you know from Vision Quest is out there. You know yeah. we we know that there's songs that do there are songs that do exist, and I know that artists don't aren't fans of necessarily releasing demos because you know that that work is is not complete. Unfinished. However, yeah. it's unfinished and complete incomplete. But at the same time, like. I don't want to wait until, you know, she's gone to suddenly have the record company go, okay, now let's go into the vault and release all this stuff that she didn't want you to see or hear, you know? Right. Like they've done with Prince. Like they've done with Prince. Um, So let's, uh, that's what I want, you know, or I don't want just remasterings of the, of the albums I want. Like, you know, is there a different take? I mean, obviously we've heard a lot Mm -hmm. of the bootlegs, you know, that that have come out. Um, But yeah, I want, I want some of that material. You know, yeah. As a hardcore fan who's so loyal to that music, I kind of like, let's celebrate it some more. Celebrate. Celebration. Speaking of celebration, we are less than 30 days away Cannot from wait. the kickoff of the tour. And Beyonce has been using the Queen's remix of mm-hmm. Break My Soul. And we have heard rumors that, I guess, when when their tours cross paths, I think like in Houston... That they're mm-hmm. supposed to make an appearance on each other's stage. How great would that be? Or would you be excited for that? I'm excited whenever Madonna comes out. So yeah, yeah you know, I mean, any chance to see her uh, gets me excited. But um, you know, to see her on stage with Beyonce when they're not signing a deal for title, uh, to actually see them perform <laughs> that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, I love the Queen's remix. I. I really do. I, I I love the fact. I'm surprised it didn't get more play or more. It wasn't as newsworthy because I mean, Ageism. she really. And yet, you know, Beyonce took the same idea of the rap and she created a version for all of these iconic African American women. And it's yeah. like, where's? Come on, like, where's where's that uh, attention? It's so it was so beautifully done. And you know, the joke is. Boy, Beyonce can keep a secret. I mean, that woman doesn't let anything out. Madonna oh. needs to hire her team, right? <laughs> so that there's not another Rebel Heart. Issue. Oh, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother, um, a whole nother story. <laughs> well, have you been seeing all the the little tour promos that she's been posting on Instagram and TikTok? Uh, I, you know, she released one the other day about one word to describe the tour and her first her word was bible yeah that was interesting that was interesting bible what do you think um, that means i i didn't know if that meant that there was sort of some sort of religious imagery because there was the vanity fair uh photo shoot that we think is going to be used in some sort of video interlude again that's probably for like a prayer hopefully one would hope i mean it does seem to make sense um Again, you know, my my thoughts have always been the same that I want a fun show. So it's and yeah. I don't want there to be I don't want it to be political. I just I don't, but I know that she can't help herself. Well, it will be. I know. But, and there's a reason, you know, you've got the the transphobia right now and all of that. So mm-hmm. I understand that this is her opportunity to speak on that in a way that gets her message out to the masses. 
but as long as the show is fun and sort of lighthearted and celebrates the music that we've all yeah. loved, uh, then I'm fine with that. But I love the idea that she's kept it completely a secret, whereas in the past, and I mean, we are 30 days away now, so I'm hoping that there are no spoilers of little song lyrics like she did before. I don't want that. I just let let the fans in, in Canada really experience it the way it should be experienced. I'm kind of nervous because my show is not until September. Same. Uh, so wh- where are you seeing it? Los Angeles. And she's doing Los Angeles in September? End of September. I think it's September 27th. Oh, end of 29th. September. Okay. End of September, yeah. Yeah. So, and then I'm seeing her again in December. In D- I'm seeing both shows in, in D.C. So I'm wondering, or maybe it's January. I don't, I don't even know the dates anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm also seeing Beyonce in August. So I'm seeing Beyonce in August, and then a month later, I'm seeing Madonna, both in D.C. Um, so I I'm went, excited about that. I went to the Confessions Friends and Family show, and that was now, really How cool. did you get to the Friends and Family show? <laughs> I have a family member that works in the concert <laughs> industry. So she said, do you want to go to the Madonna's Friends and Family show? And I said, is that really a question? So suddenly we went there, and it was awesome. Uh that show was cool in the sense that the only fan, the only people that the only audience was the, uh, was the floor. It was nobody in the loge or the upper areas. So it was only designed toward people that were sitting, you know, on the catwalk basically. And um, so when she was singing like Virgin on the little horse thing, there was nobody she was singing Mm -hmm. to because it was nobody there. But, what was cool was that she came out before the show started. And there's a little video, like a 30 second video from that uh, evening where she came out and said, I want to thank you all for coming to the friends and family show. The dancers were worked really hard. They had just completed the lighting about an hour before we arrived. Mm. So the lighting was just done and she came out and, you know, the outfit, you know, the, you know, the confessions the outfit. The disco ball. The disc- well, yeah. And, you know, she came out before it. She wasn't wearing the hat though. That came on obviously as the show began it was fascinating to go to a rehearsal show because it was filled with people that were either industry, they were non-fans. And, you know, when she first appears on that screen and she goes, I'm going to tell you a secret. And in in an arena filled with fans, the minute you see her, the audience goes insane, right? Right. Nothing. Nobody was... Three rows of assholes. They all looked like William Morris Morris agents. Exactly. (laughs) They were not. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh... (laughs) There was not, but uh, it was great because she played to to us, you know, right there. She was a little irritated that more people weren't like dancing because that's yeah. what she needs. She needs the energy. Yeah. And uh, that crowd was exactly what it was. It was a total industry crowd. And she even said, come on, guys, like you didn't pay for these tickets. Like, let me see you get up. Like, come on. And she was she was frustrated. I mean, obviously. Did you? I, I never sat, um, yeah. but I was in. I think I was in the minority though. I think there were more people that were sitting and um, yeah, but it was a show that was at the, I think it was at the forum and uh, it was at the forum. And I remember that there were these guys that were outside begging for a free ticket because word got out that she was doing a performance there. Mm. And all I kept thinking to myself, when we walked in, they weren't even checking tickets. They weren't checking tickets. They were just like, just go in. Like they figured if you knew about it, you could just go in. And all I kept thinking was, can we run back out to the guys back there and just get them in? Because that would have been cool to have them there. Yeah, you could have just been like, hey, I just left something in my car real quick. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I left my wallet. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I was able to go to that, and that was uh, a lot of fun. Well, hey, if you score another friends and family ticket, for oh, well, this she's one. not, she's not, she's not uh, doing that here. But um, <sighs> yeah, I want the show to be fun. I mean, that's I've been I've been preaching yeah. this for for the entire time. Just let it be a celebration. Let it live up to its name. Let it let it. That's now she has she has teased some songs. Yep. But I think they're just teasers. She's just trying to to get us roused or aroused by saying things like bad girl, physical attraction. Rescue is there me. anything rescue me? Is rescue there anything me, oh that you're God. looking forward to hearing? You want to hear rescue me, don't you? I mean, lots of I, oh, me. Oh my goodness. I want to hear, I have a list. I want to hear rescue me. I want to hear physical attraction. I'd love to hear angel. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I have a total list of songs I want to hear, but rescue me is the top. And I want to hear a live version. I want to, you know, I don't want an interlude. I want to hear her do rescue me. And I want a full choir there. And I want the entire Vogue. I want Vogue with everything. I need the bridge. I want the bridge. I, and I want to see her fucking Vogue. I don't want to see, yeah. again, I do not want to see her walking up and downstairs. I want to see her Vogue. I want to see her strike a fucking pose. <laughs> I was watching Madame X the other day. And um, I was thinking about what you said, because what you said is like, hey, she's not she's not actually Voguing in this performance. <laughs> was I right? You are mostly correct you are 99 percent correct there's like one percent of time where she might like give a look to the audience and that's about it but i also enjoyed that performance i love the typewriter sound and i love how she made it work into that show but i get what you're saying you want it to be a dance number not a walk around and up and down stairs song one of the things I've always looked forward to when it came to Vogue was that every time that there was a new iteration of the song, that we had new choreography. Yes. Yep. So there was something new that you would get to look at and eventually learn. I mean, you know, I learned how to flip a fan after the Marie Antoinette performance. Yes. Uh, but I love the fact that there's something new to look at. So when she was just walking around and walking up the stairs and down the stairs, it's like, what are you doing? I also <laughs> did love the aspect of the typewriter because I thought it added a musicality to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the dun dun. Uh, that was cool, and it did fit in with the theme of what the show was. However, if you were going to sing Vogue, I'm sorry, Vogue, Vogue, motherfucker, Vogue. <laughs> what the last thing I want to um, talk about is the Madonna hinted towards like hey, what kind of merch should I bring back from previous tours? Exactly. And in the most recent Instagram video, she has like signage about like, I think it said backstage and it was the who's that girl eyes picture. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how how many throwbacks are there going to be in this tour? It sounds like there's going to be a lot of nostalgia to, for the fans to kind of um, enjoy. Um, I mean, at one point, remember she asked if which bomb, you know, which jacket would they like from yeah. the tours? It was like, would you Give want the blonde ambition? Blonde ambition, fucking bomber jacket, because I missed out when Icon sold it. I have one. I have one. <sighs> Can I have? I have one. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I have that. There was a time. Actually, I have that, and I have a Virgin tour one. <sighs> I've seen and, that one, and it's got pink lining. The line, the interior of the jacket is pink. I like it because it's a little bit lighter. Um, but the the bomber jacket, the only difference with the bomber jacket, if you remember, is that it has Madonna's name on the back. And do you know why mm-hmm. they did that? Tell me, please. Yeah, no, they they wanted to make sure that those who had received the 
original blonde ambition jacket that it maintained that integrity so in order to make sure that you knew that you had a fan created version they mm. added madonna's name in the red embroidery on the back so that you just didn't have the crown so only the people that had the crown are the people that actually were on the show correct so that gave them that sense of exclusivity and yes. made it even more special so that's why madonna's name is on the back of the jacket that they sold through icon and through the other company that was selling it i was given one of those jackets um through marcia and uh they also created a who's that girl version of the of jacket as well. And I remember that was a white satin jacket mm -hmm. that had the eyes on the back. I didn't get that one, but I did get the Virgin Tour and I got the Blonde Ambition one. Oh. And I know that she's supposed to, she said she's bringing back the Jean Paul Gaultier corset that she wore, I guess, in the Like a Virgin number. Now, I think did it's she, the Like a Virgin number? Or, now, did she or say that she herself. was. Did she say she was bringing back the corset or did she say, because we knew that she was work that she brought Jean-Paul Gaultier from retirement, right. but did retirement. she actually, she, did she say that she was going to re, that he was redesigning was, one of those corsets? There was an article about it and I don't think the original, it won't be the original corset. They're going to have to make a new one because this one's, you know, 35 plus years old, right? Um, exactly. But just picture it. What if she bring? What if she shows up on stage wearing that with a ponytail? Well, I would die. Do you think that there's going to be <laughs> that she's going to incorporate a lot of wigs into the show? Do you think that we're going to see a lot of different looks based on? Do you think she's going to recreate certain images to kind of again pay homage to her old self to like like, like a prayer with black with dark curly hair? I it's would die. Possible. I absolutely. Now, I'm very curious. Like I said, she's she's really given us no spoilers, minus the one little piece of paper that had three songs on it, and even that was sort of suspect as to what that really was. So we talked about yeah, that. it was like "Bitch I'm Madonna" and then um, "Like a Virgin," like slash a Virgin Billie slash Billy Jean. Jean. So does that mean? So I I took that as is that going to be some sort of like part of a video montage? Mm. Um, because why there is only so much real estate in the show, right? There's only so right. much. My God, use it wisely. And um, there's a plethora of material to choose from. So part of me thought, well, is are they giving notes on a specific video? Is there going to be like part of like when she's doing the Like Virgin Billie Jean dance? Does it seg into Bitch I Madonna? Is she, is she doing those songs live? What could that possibly mean? But again, that, those are the only snippets that we've seen, aside from what the fans have been able to determine or decipher months ago when the whole tight was one of the songs that she... Um, was rumored to be doing because when they looked at what the they actually looked at the lyric sheet and were able to determine on the pattern of words as to what that song would be and i was like hold tight why would you ever sing that you know like on a greatest hit show why would you sing that because she needs to and if they did a cd version like hold tight would be on there but vogue wouldn't or some show like that exactly <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> No, it's, it's, I look, but we, we get to find out in like, you know, less than 30 days. And then oh, it's just going to be so much fun for us because our community really looks forward to that. So it's going to be cool. Oh, and our community loves spoilers too. So are you, are you, there's not going to be any way to get away from spoilers. So are the, you going to try to avoid them? Like, are you going to unsubscribe to nope. some of these channels or accounts nope. nope and i'll tell you why this is a conversation i have with my best friend 
all the time because he's like, you like the spoilers. I said, I don't like the spoilers. I really don't. I said, but what I love is the Madonna community. I love the fact that I have these podcasts I listen to and that there are personalities that I enjoy. Obviously, I got to know you very well. We've spoken many times outside of this podcast. In fact, we text each other every day, which I love. <laughs> and um, I, I don't want to disengage myself from that community because it brings me a lot of happiness. So for me, she's not playing here till September. I'd have to not listen to to, and I'd have to not watch Instagram. I'd have to remove myself from Facebook. I'd have to, it's not that I can't live without social media, but this part of the social media is the part that I enjoy. So mm -hmm. if it brings me so much happiness and it makes me a part of something, why would I take that away from my daily life just to spare myself, just so I could be surprised when, you know, September comes and we're in June when the show comes. That said, I will not be memorizing the set list. I don't sit there and go, okay, she's doing this, 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 this is next. But at the same time, you know, we, he and I would talk about the fact that everyone else should be so lucky that we have this that brings us so much joy. You should only have something this, that is that important to you. And it's that important to me. And plus, we don't know if the set list is going to change. Exactly. Because Although these, these last, well, maybe not Madame X, but I know with Rebel Heart, um, and sometimes MDNA, she would throw an extra song in there or take a song out and switch some things around and then with sticky and sweet she did a whole tour one way and then when she kind of did the second leg second leg yeah she changed a bunch of things so we you never know what we're going to get especially with rebel heart i remember who's that girl the acoustic version um was used in the first few shows and then she just auto then she just took it out completely and then she started singing other songs in that place so well, I I think that that part of the show lent itself to flexibility because it wasn't tied to a video that she had to specifically mm -hmm. sync to. Um, you know, I think that there was just like a generic backdrop or something that was playing and that she could tailor it as she needed to. But if she's got a song that has, you know, if you think about like Girl Gone Wild, that was so specific. And by the way, that's right. one of my favorite openings ever. You talk about the perfect use of video for a background. Um, speaking of your last guest, who I loved, um, that was that was tied to that in a way that you had to keep it in check. You had to keep it in sync. Right. But when you have right. something like that part of Rebel Heart where she could do the gypsy portion of it and kind of play around with it, she had the, the flexibility, as she did with Madame X. Yes. Yep. So, you know, I think it'll depend on what the audiences want and how she feels. And, you know, also my main thing is I want to make sure that the choreography doesn't kill her. You know, I expect her to be moving a little differently, but I do not want her getting injured. Uh, so keep it, you know, realistic to where she's at in life. And, you know, she has a different body now, uh, mm -hmm. which I think limits her in some ways. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm really, I'm, I'm very hopeful. And I love the fact that we have something to look forward to. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know, for years we haven't. And it's been about a year since I saw her perform in New York at the finally enough love. Wow. Private event. And so I remember watching that thinking like okay she's ready to get back on stage so i'm glad it has come full circle uh because life is a circle exactly life and it looks like circle. life is a circle life <sighs> is a circle <laughs> i love you and it, and it looks like it looks like blonde madonna's back now at least based on the last i think pose. so i think i think what people have been saying is that it, it's probably a wig which is fine because she did post that one picture where 
it looked really good. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of filtering on it, but it, it, it almost looked like she had a mullet, like with the dark red hair. Yeah. It was like wet and, yeah. um, it looked really sexy. I really liked that one. Uh, but this, this blonde one, of course, looks like our tried and true blonde Madonna that we've seen for the past few years. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing a different style of hair on Madonna. It doesn't have to be blonde for the tour, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see a blonde Madonna. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm excited. Like I said, we have a lot to look forward to. I think it's going to be a really good summer for us. And hopefully there's more new music on the horizon and uh, all good things come to those who wait. And hopefully I can sell my extra tickets. You will. You will. It's going to happen. (laughs) Well, Ron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to you and text you. We don't even say anything else. We just (laughs) give one quote a response one quote and a response and then um, and yet we always know what we're day. talking about we always know what we're talking we know exactly about. what we're talking about yep that's yep, our yep. that's our way of greeting each other every day every day <laughs> we, we, we text some sort of something that means only something to the madonna fans <laughs> and i love it i wouldn't have it any other way well thank you again for appearing on the show i look forward to staying in touch and Enjoy the Madonna concert when you go to see her in September. You enjoy your Madonna concert when you see her in September. I will. All three of my sets of tickets. At I'm some point, I, seat hopping. I love it. And some and at some point, I hope we can get together. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Wayne. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Wayne. Please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review the Madonna Get Together on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And be sure to follow on Instagram at Madonna Get Together. Until then, my beautiful strangers.